This is KMTT. Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. This is Esubik. And today is uh, Wednesday, the weekly share on Agadot Avraham Avinu. And uh, this week I would like to address the war uh, between Avraham and the four kings who conquered the five kings, which is in Lechcha and Sparsha Membet in the Medrash Rabbah. And this parsha begins with actually a story within a story. And while the first half is not directly relevant to Avraham Avinu, I think it is. That's why I'm going to quote the entire thing. Right, the pasuk describes the four kings from the from the north, north uh, northeast actually, who came and conquered large sections in the area of the Aden, eventually stormed and eventually uh, took captive Avraham's nephew, Lot. Before we get to Avraham's part, the Medrash Ravetti talks about the war itself. And the following story is told. Rabbi Yoshua, the Sakhdim Shem, Rabbi Levi Patach. Cherev, Patchu, Rishayim, Rigomer, Chabam, Tabo, Baliba. There's a quote of a Pasuk in Tehillim. It's a long parak talks about, in general, the attacks of the evil, the violence that the evil perpetuate against the Tzadikim. And you have the Pasuk over there, it's Pasuk Yudalid, Cherev Patchu Rishayim, V'darchu Kashtam Lapil Aniva Evyon, Litvoach Yishridarech, Chaubam Tavo Belibam, Ukashtotam Tishavarna. The evil have opened, have begun, initiated the sword and they have drawn their bow in order to fell the poor and the dispossessed to uh, slaughter those who are straight of path. Their sword shall come in their own hearts and their bows, their bows should be broken. Okay, so this passage is going to be uh, interpreted concerning the war in which we are Dealing with uh, the basic reason is this is when the Fashim uh, point out is this is the first war in the Torah, and therefore uh, he took this parak which deals extensively in war and interpreted it about uh, this this episode. Chazal even claim uh, elsewhere that this is the first war in history, which is a tendency in Chazal that if something is recorded for the first time in the Torah, it's the first time it took place. In any event, whether that's literally true or not. Chazal view this as being a very, very important war, even before we get to Avraham's direct involvement in it when he pursues the kings after the original war is over and recovers the property of stone. And this is what takes place. The Medrash has a story. Maaseh, Rabbi Elazar ben Hukanis. Shayu echav choshim b'meishor v'hu choresh b'har. Elazar ben Hukanis was the son of a rich man and he worked for his father. And, and uh, he apparently was a a more powerful of the brothers. The brothers were plowing in the plain, but he was plowing in the mountain, which is apparently more difficult to plow there. It's, it's more difficult to run the plow through the mountains. And when the flap in the mountains, what happened was his his cow, with what with whom he was plowing, uh, fell and was broken or died. Amar, and this is what he said. He took it as a sign from heaven. He said, wow, what an opportunity. My, pow- my cow is broken. I cannot work. 
And so he ran off, he fled. It went to Yochai ben Zakkai, in other words, he became a Talmud of the Gadol Hadar of Yochai ben Zakkai. The story is telling us how Bazar ben Hukilis became a Talmud Chacham. Um, he was very poor, he had no support from his father, who was not interested that his son should be a Talmud Chacham. He wanted him to work in the family business, so he had no food, and he, he ate dirt until he became actually sick. They told Rabbi Yochum and Zaka, you know, he has a very bad odor from his mouth because he's eating dirt. So just as now you have a bad odor from your mouth which your fellows can smell, eventually the Torah, the odor, the smell of your Torah will go from one end of the world to another. He gave him a bracha because of his mysterious nefesh, how much he'd sacrificed. His father came to Yerucham and Zakai, who was in charge of the court, in order to dispossess him, to dispossess of Elizabeth Ben Hukanis from his possessions. He was going to, he was writing his will. He was writing him out of the will. Umatzao, he didn't know that he was there. Umatzao Yoshev, because remember he'd run away. Umatzao Yoshev Vidoresh. He found him giving a share. Elizabeth Ben Hukanus was there giving a share. And the great people, the famous people, the famous aristocrats, his friends basically, of Hukanus, were sitting there, Ben Sitzta Keset, Menachimun Ben Guyon, Ben Kabasavua. And when he walked in, he found his son giving the drasha about this pasuk that we had just read in Tehillim. These four kings of the Vishayim who are being referred to. They drew their bow to fell the poor and the dispossessed. Zelot. Lot is called the poor person here. To slaughter those straight of path. Zavraham. This sword should be in the should be plunged in their own hearts. That's why Chaleim Leila, who Vavadavaya came Avam later on, returned, pursued them, and killed them. Okay, we'll get back. We'll get back to the main point in a second. Let me finish the story. Amal Lo Aviv, his father, who can have said to Avadasa, Bini Lo Aliti Lekan Elul Nadotcha Mina Chasai. I came here to dispossess you from all of my possessions. Achshab, now they see what a wonderful Talmud Chacham you are. I give you all my possessions. He said, he answered him, He said, I refuse to accept it. I have brothers. In other words, the whole attitude of Hukaris is being criticized here. One time he tries to take it away, one time he gives them too much. The answer is, you just give me my portion. You were wrong the first time, you were wrong the second time. Okay, but now I'll get back to the, the drasha itself, which is why it's really found in Medrash What's important about this drasha? The drasha reverses the pshat. The pshat says that there's a war between two countries, two city-states. Four kings against the five kings. Avram isn't even living there. He lives up in the hills. Lot lives there. And Lot is... An innocent bystander. He's living in the city and everyone is taken into uh, captivity. 
And Lot Imahem, Lot is one of the people who's swept up in 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 this war. Avam Avinu, because his brother, uh, because his nephew is swept up in the war, decides to take action and interjects himself where perhaps he doesn't belong. He goes ahead and he attacks the four kings. Okay, that's the stories we see in Imshat. The Medrash reverses. The Pasuk says that Cherev Patchu Rishaim the Rishaim open, the word open here I think means that they initiated a war and perhaps it refers to what I mentioned this, I mentioned this Midrash that this was the first war, they initiated warfare but they initiated this particular war and the reason was the purpose of the war was not to conquer Stom the purpose of the war was not to uh, spoil the city of Amorah the purpose of the war was to fell Zelot It was a war against Avraham and Lot. The politics in the newspaper presumably it said it was a war between cities. That was just a cover. They deliberately took Lot and that was part of their plot to get Avraham involved so they could also Kill Avraham, litboach, lapil anivevion, to fell or to, to, to catch. I think that word lapil here, as the interpreted by the Midrash, means to catch, to ensnare. Lapil atobamapolet, to ensnare Lot, which will lead to the slaughter, the killing of Avraham Avinu. This is an example, uh, I'm saying this only partially facetiously, the tendency of Jews to interpret all events as being basically connected to the Jews. Pashup Shat in the Pasuk says, there's a war. There's nothing to do with Avinu. But we know, and Chazal know, that world history is really, in the end, about the Jews. In this case, it's about Avinu. The first war in history is being, or this major war in history is being fought because they want to kill Avraham. Why do they want to kill Avraham? This Midrash does not answer that question. The answer comes a little bit later in the in, in the next Midrash. Midrash Bet. Let me skip the first few lines. Midrash Gimel. Very important principle in Midrash. It's quoted by Rashi a few times. A very important principle of Drush. And it's said in the names of the most famous Darshanim of the period of Drush. Rabbi Tanchuma, the author of the Midrash Tanchuma, Rabbi Chia Rabba. Anytime a story is opened with the expression Vayihi Bimei, a, B, and C. It, take, it, it came about in the time of. It means something bad is taking place. And as Minash will explain in a few lines, this is based on reading Vayihi as being Vayihi. Vay is the call of Oivei. Oivei And this is introduction for a disaster. And now it explains the first example. Vayihi b'meyam Matzara asum 
Pasuk says it wasn't in the days of Amaphel and the other three kings. They made a war. Now, the Midrash explains uh, just what sort of a tzava this was. Why is this a terrible tzava? Interesting question. Midrash assumes that a war is not a big enough uh, uh, trial and tribulation, not a big enough trouble to warrant vayihibimei. It's got to be bigger than that. Because apparently wars all the time. A small war between two cities, that's not going to cause the world. And the point is here, the entire world or the entire important part of the world to say, Oive, Oive. So what really took place here? Mashal. A parable. The king has some favorite who's living in a province. Because he's living there, so the king showers favor on that particular province. Different uh, version. Either people came to fight, to argue with this king's favorite, or the barbarians from outside the kingdom picked a fight with this, um, this king's favorite. Amru, the people said, They weren't upset about the fact that the king's favorite's getting killed. That's his problem. But when he gets killed, the whole province will suffer. Because the king's attitude will change. The king only favored the province because his favorite was living in it. Similarly, that's what took place now. They said, if the favorite is killed, then these people, these murderers say, you know, we'll get away with it, but we'll suffer also in the end. Everyone's going to suffer because the king's attitude will change. Now this is, this is a mashal. Obviously, what's the meaning of the, of the mashal, the parable? If Avram Avinu is killed, the whole world will suffer. So Ramavino is the uh, favorite of the king of God. And because Ramavino in the world, God showers favors. God takes care of the entire world. I quoted a f- few weeks ago, Midrash, the very beginning of Lechacha. Achot lanu ktana. Zav Ramavino she'icha et hakera. Ramavino restored the tear. He mended the tear in the garment. La'achot is to mend. Achot lanu ktana. Ramavino is... He mended the tear. Which tear? Between God and the world. Avraham Avinu brought God back into the world. Another message which we didn't quote then, a few lines later says, You will be a blessing, not to yourself. The says, If there's a ship sinking at sea, and the people there would look towards the shores of Eretz Israel, they would be saved. Why? Because God takes care of the whole world because he has a connection to the world. Avraham Avinu bears God's presence in the world, and therefore the whole world is benefiting. If Avinu was killed, the whole world will suffer. As part of the description of the war, it says that they moved here, they went there, and they came back to Ein Mishpat, the spring of justice, also known as Kadesh. Where is this place and why is it called the spring of justice? Ein Mishpat. The word Ein, spring, also means Ayin, the eye. The only reason why they showed up was in order to 
Mizdavega is a nice word. To couple themselves. It means to fight with. To attack. Galgal eino shel olam. The pupil of the eye of the world. Who is that? Ayin she'asta midat hadin ba'olam. Heim mevakshim lesamota. The eye which um, conquered midat hadin. This is the way the Mephashim explained. The word asta means here is a transitive verb. Means that it, it made the midat hadin ba'olam. But the way the Mephashim explained it means it, 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 it negated the midat hadin. And that's how the commentators explain. I think he'd also explain it as being literally. He, he actually, he brought Midat Adin, not simply because Midat Adin is bad. He brought Sachav Onesh into the world. This is what I think it means. As opposed to the classic commentators that I see, the Matnat Kuhuna. Ayin Sh'asta Midat Adin. Avam Avinu. He instituted, he... he he, he made, laid the foundations for the operation of the principle of justice. Justice isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. Sakhavanish. It means consequences to your actions. They wished to blind that eye. Who Kadesh, it's also called Kadesh. Amavchia, who Shekidesh Moshe Kashbochu Bekipshanaesh. It's called Kadesh because Avam Avinu had sanctified the name of God. In other words, it's not, it's not a place name. Vayashuvu el Ein Mishpat, they returned to Avam Avinu, who is called Ein Mishpat. He's called the Eye of Justice, and he is called the Sanctifier. Since they came to kill him, the whole world began to shout, Oy vei, 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 I don't know if the world really began to shout. I think the Medjushim means they should have begun to shout. It's a disaster for the world if Avam Avinu would be killed by them. Now, the Midrash, again, hasn't explained explicitly why they wanted to do it, but I think the reason is given in the place names. It says, by Yashuvu El Ein Mishpat, he, Kadesh, they wanted to kill Avam Vinu, who's called Ein Mishpat, and it's called Kadesh. He's called a lot of other things too. Why is he called this? Because this is what they were searching for. They objected to the fact that Avam Vinu had brought God back into the world. Why were they objecting to that? What's so terrible? So the answer is, as I explained, they, weren't, they didn't object to God's beneficence. They objected to God's justice. The powerful imagine, these are powerful kings, they imagine that it's better to live in a world without law because then they get their way. The weak need protection of the law. The weak prefer to live in a world where there is strict Reward and punishment. True, there is punishment, but there is reward and there is justice. So you're responsible for your actions, but that has nothing to do with how much power you you have. If you behave properly, if you're a tzaddik, you will prosper. And if you suffer, it's not because you're weak, but because you have sinned. The powerful will ever imagine that they can get away with it. And therefore, they don't want to have justice. They want to have only power. Avraham Avinu had changed the order of the world. There was no need for a war beforehand because the powerful simply had their way. People, people feared them and gave them what they wanted. They didn't need to wage war. But Avraham Avinu had upset that. Avraham Avinu had brought the principle of God's providence and God's justice and God's watchfulness, Hashgachah Fatit, into the world.
And that, I think the Medrash is making the point that it's not good because everybody receives money falling from heaven. It's good because you have responsibility for your actions. But there are people who object to responsibility. They prefer anarchy. Who prefers anarchy? The evil. The evil people open up in war. Obviously, it doesn't make it's obvious, because we think war is a terrible thing. Oh, we're correct, of course. But I think the measure is saying, no, you have to realize, the evil begin war, not because the evil and I like to commit war, because war serves their purposes. Because in a, war is the opposite of justice. It's the opposite of, of order, of social order. In the social order, the evil are punished. In a time of war, the powerful the weak are punished. The weak suffer. And the powerful are the ones who, 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 who benefit. Interestingly, wh- wh- why did I quote the story in the beginning? The story of uh, Rabbi Ben Hukas, other than being a very pretty and nice and interesting story. I think it's not, it's the, the, the packaging of this dulush is relevant to the, to the story. It was the envelope. The story of Rabbi Elazar ben Hukanis is relevant to the particular drasha. Hukanis could have walked in on his son when he's dashing any one of a million psukim. That was his job. He gave a shir. Why did he walk in on this one? Because on a much less dramatic level, it's the same point. Hukanis is a powerful aristocrat, a rich man, who's used to getting his own way. And when his own son when his own son chooses Torah over over power, over riches in this case, they were, they were powerful in an economic sense. When his own son chooses a life of poverty, Torah, over riches, over the estate, over running the estate, they realize that, that a rich man in these days means he's an estate owner. He owns Bika Uvahar. He has land in the plain and in the mountains. He leaves the estate. He leaves the... He, he, he's a trader to his social class. His father responds by disinheriting him. And then he walks in on his son. And his son is saying how the evil wage war against justice. It's on a, I don't want to say it's on a minor level. It's on a more local level. The act of injustice of his father is what is being objected to. And therefore the story says, his father says to him, wow, I really like that dress. I can give you all the money. His father still, he's being nice now. He says, he's not being evil. But in the corner, the dress is being evil. Because injustice is evil. He's saying, I'm rich. I give my money to anybody I want to. I'll give it to those sons who please me and take it from those who don't please me. You displease me, I disinherit you. Now you please me, I give you all my money. And he says to him, Don't give me any favors. There's a justice, there's a certain law of inheritance. I have four brothers, I have ten brothers, I don't know how many brothers he has. We're all equal. And you shouldn't be playing around, you should not be using your power. You're used to having your own way, Father. You should let the law take its course which I guess eventually he does. 
And so therefore the, the internal lesson was in fact a version of the external, of the external story. This is a typical, uh, move that the Midrash makes. It's not accidental, very often. I think in most cases. It's not accidental, the little extraneous circumstances, who's talking, when he's talking, you know, when this drasha took place. It's reflecting the content of the, of the drasha. To sum up, we have a picture of the life of Amavinu, and this goes back to the question we discussed in the past. Avamavino is being internal to Amisal, which will take place later in Pashat Vayera. Is, he who teach, is, is Avamavino of Bitmila, Avamavino of the Akedah, Avamavino of, uh, of teaching Yitzchak. And that's what we, we really interested in. That's what the Pasuk says in the beginning of Vayera, that he'll teach his children after him to go in the, in the path of God. But then you have Avamavino as a world figure. Avamavino as a world figure. And I, I pointed out in the previous year that in a way he's a failure. He doesn't actually succeed, but it doesn't mean that the effort is not something which Chassal was very interested in. Avraham Avinu is a world figure. In fact, apparently he has succeeded. He hasn't converted anybody in the end. But he has changed world history. Because if the Jews exist, then the principle of there will be Mishpat in the world, there is Ashkachapatit in the world. God still has connection to the world. His direct effect on the world Avraham Avinu hasn't succeeded, but he has changed world history because he's Ein Mishpat. His existence, and therefore our existence as well, is what binds God to the world and means there is justice in this world, despite what many people think. And the unjust, the powerfully unjust, the Vishayim, will still always try to up, 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 overturn that. I think what we have here is a particular theory, not the only theory, of a particular theory of anti-Semitism. Why do the four kings wish to kill Avamavinu? Why do the four kings, the four kingdoms, is a Chazal device, the four kingdoms of Daniel, which Medrash I skipped, says is parallel to these four kings, represents the powerful of the world in general. The four kingdoms who conquer the world, Bavel, Madai, Paras, Yavan, and Rome. Why do they wish to persecute the Jews? The Midrash is suggesting an answer. They know in their hearts, they perceive that the Jewish existence introduces the hand of God into the world, the hand of justice. And the powerful don't want to have that Reckoning. They don't want to have that responsibility. They prefer a form of lawlessness, that they should be above the law. And Jewish existence says there is a law, Yeshdin V'yeshdayan. And therefore, they will use any stratagem. And the Midrash is really making an astonishing claim. View what appears to be world history, a war between two nations. It's always about the Jews. Meaning it's always about justice. It's about it's about, there's a spiritual core to what appears to be pragmatic, political, military history. Underlying it all is an attempt to change the way God relates to the world. I leave the theory on the table as to whether it explains actual anti-Semitism, whether it explains world history. I don't imagine Chazal thought it was literally true all the time, but they're suggesting that there is something here beneath the surface that isn't explained by political science or military history, 
but it's explained by spiritual history. And in fact, in the continuation of this Midrash, it gives other examples of Vayihibimeis, other cases where people said Oyvei. And the next one is a very similar example. And I will quote it quickly in the time that's left. Vayihibimei Achaz, Pasuk in Yishayahu, one of the kings of Judah, is named Achaz. Why was his kingdom, his rule, the whole rule, the times of Achaz were Oyvei? So the Jews were boxed in by enemies, Aram to the east and Plishtim to the west. But then the Midrash says that's how really what took place. The, the, the real problem was something else. And it says, Mashal the pedagogue, Mashal the ben Sarim, Shin is the pedagogo. There is a young prince and he has a tutor, pedagogue. Pedagogue decides to kill him. I don't know why. Decides to kill him. But he's afraid to kill him. If I kill him, then the the noble for whom I work will kill me. So what am I going to do? I will I will get his nursemaid to disappear and then I'll die from lack of milk. Achaz was an evil king. And he said, he said, I won't attack the strong point, I'll attack the weak point. If there are no uh, kids, no young goats, then there won't be grown goats. If there are no goats, there won't be ca- a, a, a sheep. If there are no sheep, there won't be anything for the shepherd to do. If there are no shepherds, the whole world falls apart. If there are no children, there will be no students. If there are no students, there will be no, eventually... No wise men, no chachamim. You mean chachamim ain't skenim. There won't be any elders. If there are no elders, there will be no prophets. If there are no prophets, ain't hakadosh baruch hu mashresh ba'olam. The Medrash accuses Achaz of a very devious plan. How can you get God to leave the world? Achaz knows he can't attack God. So he attacked the weaker link. The weaker link is little children. Little children will go to school. They won't grow up. If they don't grow up, they won't be... Tamidei chachamim. There won't be elders. There won't be elders. There won't be prophets. There won't be prophets. Won't be prophets. God will, on his own, leave the world. So, forgetting about what Chazal will think about Achazia, it's another example of, I think, the same principle. Viewing some sort of action, and either consciously or subconsciously, it's really directed to getting God out of the world. Why do people want God out of the, out of the world? What's wrong with having God in the world? It's a good thing, though. God, God brings blessings. It's good for most people. But powerful for kings, certain kind of people prefer, they prefer living in a world without law. They figure they can take their chances, they'll make it. But they don't want the responsibility of having to meet standards. Anarchy is better than a world of law. We all think the world of law is good, but certain kinds of people don't want it. And the question is, how do you get the law to disappear? The answer is you somehow or other drive God out of the world. And what the Medrash is saying is that God rests his Shekhinah in the world on Avraham. Or in the second case, on Tamadei Chachamim, on Nevi'im. And if, if you get rid of certain people, you not only get rid of them, but you get rid of God as well. Vayehi bimei amrafel. Kotov will be back next week.